Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. But now we get to continue in our series. These last six weeks, we've been in a series entitled The Fam. We've been talking about just real issues that are facing real families uh, all around us all the time. And the last six weeks, we've covered some significant ground. We've talked about some real things. And today is no different. So I want to welcome you into this conversation. Welcome those who are worshiping in our Family Life Center. And also those who are maybe live streaming from far away. I want to welcome you into this this dialogue, this ongoing study. Uh, Today is the culminating part, part seven, the last part in this series on the fam. And for right now, to help me pull this thing off, I want you to welcome to the stage Nathan and Jackson King. Would you welcome them to the stage? All right, guys. So, a while back, a few weeks ago, I said to Nathan and Jackson, this is Nathan and this is Jackson. I said to them, guys, we're in the middle of this family series. I said, what if we did something really uh, unusual. What if we did something different, unique? Maybe there's something that we can do that we've never done before. What if on Father's Day, we just got on stage in these chairs and just talked about stuff? You know, just life and love and mystery and faith and uh, falling and getting up again and just, you know, stuff. And to my surprise, they said, okay. Uh, and so on the one hand, I was extremely excited. Okay, great, we can do this. We're going to have a good time. On the other hand, a sinking fear came to the pit of my stomach because for 18 and almost 16 years, I have told stories about these guys in every sermon that I preach. And so you may see revenge happen right before your eyes today. So we'll see what happens. But we said, you know, if we do this on a special day like Father's Day, It's still got to be a sermon. It can't just be, you know, us talking about us. It's got to be a sermon. In other words, we have to say some things that actually have some kind of an impact on somebody's life. We want to be able to say some things that give strength, hope, life, love to someone who has come here or who may be tuning in now or later on. Um, But if we could somehow say, we talked about this, if we could somehow say something real. I mean, if we could be vulnerable enough with each other and transparent enough to say some some things that are authentic, then maybe in, in the dialogue that we have with each other here in front of you, in a way we can almost hold up a mirror and maybe others can, can see themselves in the mirror and we might be able to speak some kind of word of hope or strength or encouragement to somebody today. And who knows what God may do with that kind of moment. You know, it's, it's often been said that the gospel is best heard when it's overheard. The gospel is best heard when it's overheard. And if we could talk about some stuff today and you overhear something that that maybe triggers a little bit of hope in you or some encouragement or strength, that's that's our prayer. But first, a couple of disclaimers, right? 
couple of disclaimers. First of all, um, I, I, it's in my opinion that it takes, it takes some serious guts for somebody who is a, a young man to stand up in front of others to say anything about anything, much less about vulnerable things like your faith, your life, your love, your emotions, your, your thoughts. So I have mad respect for these two young men right here, and I, I hope you'll show that with me today to them uh, in their courage to stand up here. And of course, if they say really bad things about me, you can take that off the table. You can be as, as mean to them as you want. The second disclaimer is this. Uh, so much of what we have said we're going to talk about, we've agreed on. We've agreed on like the main point, the one thing we want you to hear. And we've even agreed a little bit on the trajectory, how we're going to get there, the pathway we're going to take to get you there, right? But you need to know that much of what we talk about today, some of what you hear us talk about is not scripted. Some of it's really just kind of off the cuff, and we're going to see where this thing goes. Last disclaimer is this. Nathan and I got off an airplane yesterday and got home after about 35 and a half hours traveling home from the middle of Ethiopia. So we're a little bit, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, jet lag. A little bit jet lag, exhausted. Uh, so you'll give us a little latitude on that, yeah? Amen? Oh, come on. I need better than that. Okay. So, point. Point. Yeah. You on? You lie? Give it a little check, check. Check, check. Okay, all right. Point of the day. If we can learn to listen to each other, I mean, if we can learn to truly see each other in our families, if we can somehow find a way to see and hear the mystery that's going on beneath the surface of the people in our families, we might just discover that God, the creator, the divine being who put this whole thing together is up to something in every single member of your family. Now, that's what we want to talk about today. But to do it, we're going to talk about a couple of things. To get you there, we're going to talk about memes. We're going to talk about kaleidoscopes. And we're going to talk about wet clay. Now I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to get started, okay? God, we simply ask that you're honored in what we do here in worship. And we pray that in the conversation that unfolds here and in the word of scripture that is read here in just a moment, we pray that somehow your spirit would be so real and so present that something happens on the interior of our hearts today that you would do something that transforms our minds and hearts, that we leave this place loving you and loving others even better than when we first came here today. Lord, move in us and through us as we attempt to glorify you now in Christ's name. Amen. Memes. So the ongoing joke in my family is that I don't understand memes. And it's the truth. I have no idea what memes are about. So somebody, one of you guys, t explain what we're talking about when I say memes. What's a meme? So uh, basically a meme is, uh, it's just a joke, basically. It's a, you know, it's a kind of a comic. You, you know, there's text and there's a picture and it's just a joke. It's on the internet and uh, a lot yeah. of, you know, a lot of us can understand what it means. Right. The problem is, yeah, I get comic. I mean, I get comic, all right? Um, I get Comic strip, picture, words, funny. I get funny. I mean, you know. But the problem is almost every meme these guys show me, they come up to me, hey, Dad, this is awesome. Watch the, look at this meme. 
And, and I'm like, it takes me like 10 minutes to figure it out. I have no clue. In fact, I asked Jackson to find one. All right. So here's what I want you to do. Here's play a game real quick. We're going to throw this meme up on the, on the screen. I just want you to simply raise your hand if you, if you understand it. Okay, go ahead and throw it up there. Now, you may not be able to read it. it Jackson got us through. What's it say? So it says, uh, student says, how do I get the sum of two numbers? And the teacher is, that's, is yeah. this, the teacher is this image. All right. How many of you understand what in the world is going on right here? Okay, see, everybody under 18 is raising your hand. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? All right, so listen, here's the deal. Um, so here's what I learned from this week from Jackson. I said, I have no idea what this means. And, and he said, this guy on the screen, see, that's a screenshot. It's a frozen picture of a, like a video that had already been out there in the internet for a while where this guy is like doing something, and this guy named Adam comes up and interrupts him, and he turns and says, Adam... You Adam. Right? Adam. Can I get a witness? Amen. So, now, if you put that together, well, that's, the, that's kind of an embryonic form of an up and rising dad joke one day. All right? that's, that's like the beginning of it, but not, it's not there not yet. Not as bad as it is. Not joke. okay. <laughs> but here's what I'm thinking about, and I, then I want you guys to, to help us figure this out. What amazes me is to understand a meme. You have to kind of understand a backstory that's already out there. There's like this, this body of content out there that most of the guys that I know their age, your ages, already knows. It's like you've already seen all these vines. See, a vine's like a six-second little video clip. You've seen like all of them, and so you have the backstory that contextualizes the meme. So you see it in like three or four seconds. You're like, oh, Adam, okay. But for the rest of us... It's not that we don't have access, but we don't have the awareness of that access. And that brings up something I want us to talk about first, which is in many of our families, we are separated by so many different things. But one of them is the digital divide. The digital divide. The fact is, these guys are digital natives. They have never known a time when they did not have the internet or did not have access to absolutely any kind of information they ever possibly wanted, right? But as a digital immigrant, we, the rest of us, are trying to navigate our way through there, and the disconnect can be frustrating, right? How can it be frustrating? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll, have, um, we'll have to be doing something for schoolwork or whatever online, and uh, we'll have an issue with something, and we'll have done everything to try to fix it, like factory reset, done everything, like reloaded the entire computer. And then he goes, he comes up to it, we ask him for help, puts on his glasses, he goes, you try turning it off and back on again? <laughs> and it's not that he, that, that wouldn't work per se, but his lack of uh, <laughs> access to information and, and not have been doing that for as long because he's a digital immigrant, he doesn't know. <laughs> well, he's a, he, he doesn't uh, quite, know. we've already done everything that he's tried to do, but it's just because he hasn't been exposed to that for as long. Right, okay. And there's another instance where it's like, like I was sitting down with dad and uh, he was looking at something on his phone and we were trying to figure out something, I forget what it was, but it was like, you had to scroll and find what it was. It was this little box and uh, when you clicked it, like a document opened up. And I look over his shoulder, and he's just 
<laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading, Glenn, and the details. Yeah. There's like fine print. You got to read that stuff. That's how no, you get caught. Right. No, he, so he's taking forever <laughs> to look at, the, to look at this, this thing. Right. And so. uh, I get frustrated at him. And I, I just, yeah. uh, I'm like, Dad, just give it to he me. He literally said, Dad, you were taking so long. So he took the phone from me. I'm like, so these guys can do something quicker because of an awareness of an act. I've got the same access. I, I pay for the access. I'm paying for the access. <laughs> I've got the same access. But they have an awareness. And so it's not, even, it's not just a digital divide. It's almost like a capacity chasm. They have a capacity where in their, innately, innately, like a few days ago we're in Ethiopia and we're trying to take a picture and the, the mission, missionary person who's with us, the, the, who's in France, she, she and I are trying to figure out you know, how to get the access to this picture we just took. And we're like, no, give it, I'll try it, I'll try it. And I was trying and trying and Nathan's like, give me the phone. And he took the phone and was like, pop, pop. And there it was, right? So here's what's interesting. The, they have the capacity to do far more, far quicker with greater ease than I could possibly imagine doing right now or ever because this is exponential capacity. So they are not only more capable in some of these things we're talking about that keeps us divided and frustrated. I'm like, but the frustration is mutual. It's like, Dad, come on, you're taking so long. And truthfully, most of the time, in those situations, they're right. We could probably get there quicker if I just trust them. The, the flip side is, I'm like, you know what? Put your phone down and look me in the face. Right? I mean, at times, you, how many times have you heard that? Look me in the face. Put your phone down. Be present. Be present, you know? And the truth is, i got to give them props on this. The truth is, even though we who are above a certain age have certain criticisms of the digital immigrants or the digital natives, because we, we assume, well, they're never really present and they're, they're always on their phones and they're always kind of, their mind is, in, is in, in, in the Internet, the digital world. Here's the, here's the rub. These guys will discover how to, how to make fire again. I'm talking about a true click forward for our species, these, this generation. And at times, I'm like, you know, you can't do community on the phone. you got to be present. And I mean that. You've heard me saying that physically. you got to be. Those who are tuning in right now online, you hear me say that. Tune in all you can, all, as much as you can. But if you're here, we need to be present. But at the same time, if I push come to shove, I could ask them where most of their friends are right now. And they could not only tell me where they are, but probably what they're doing and sometimes what they're thinking and feeling because they're in constant notification with each other. And i got to yield myself to that awareness that there's some capacity here that I, I need to learn something from, right? So what, what well, do you think about that? Thank you Wait. for that compliment <laughs> for our whole generation. Um, and I accept that and I acknowledge that. Um, but I think sometimes people our age and in our generation um, need to be able to submit themselves a little bit to um, the fact that we don't, just because we have access to all this information and stuff online, and just because we have unlimited access to knowledge and uh, information, doesn't necessarily mean that we know more. And we, like, I, 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 have, I had a thought that when, when people are online, they're presented with this false godship in which they have all the information they need, everything that they ever wanted is just right there in front of them. And, but 
one thing that's missing in the internet that you can't learn from a YouTube video, that you can't read on an article, is wisdom. And that can really only come through experience and your own failures and your own mishaps and stuff. That's good. Wow. That's good. That's, that's strong. Come on. <laughs> did you just say come on? Did you, did you just say come on? You say come on. <laughs> Man. All right. So, all right. All right. So, but you, you said something there, and you said it like earlier this week, this phrase, and I'm glad you just now used it. I wanted, I wanted you to. You said a false godship because there's this, when you, when you have unlimited access to that kind of information, it is power. I mean, you guys have not only an awareness, but but the capacity with that awareness to, to gain power. Knowledge is power, and you have that capacity, but you call it a false godship, right? Can you say just a little bit more about that? What does it mean to have a false godship? So a godship? false godship, um, I, when we put ourselves at a point in which we think that we know better or that we have everything that we need information-wise and stuff in this instance, it really devalues our trust and need for God. And so a God that we are above or no more than is not a God I worship. And mm. so we shouldn't act that way. Okay. Like that we know. That's good. That's, good. More. that's, that's strong. Okay. More that we'll always have infinite. So it's probably wisdom. a good time for one of you was going to read the, the first Samuel passage. That's probably right. a good. Right. First Kings. First Kings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> first Kings. All right. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be. in the Old Testament. Yes, I know. Okay. The, uh, this passage is going to be. Uh, oh. <laughs> is it? It's going to be First uh, First Kings. Um, it's going to be five through three, five through nine, and it says this: uh, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared on the, or uh, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I should give you." And Solomon said, "You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David." Because he walked uh, before you in your faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Uh, although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out uh, or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people uh, whom... You have chosen uh, great people, so numerous uh, they cannot be numbered or counted. Give me your servant, therefore, uh, and understanding mind to govern your people, uh, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? Okay. All right. So let's, let's, let's park it there at the last couple of verses that Nathan just read. So Solomon, the wisest king in all of the history of Israel is at the enthronement offered by God complete access to anything he would ever want or need. Ask for it and it's yours, right? And of all the options he had before him, of all the unlimited date, unlimited access, high speed access to the every, every possible need he could ever want, hope, or imagine, the one thing that Solomon asks for is a discerning mind in some of your translations it may say an understanding mind it may say in some of your translations wisdom of all the things he could have asked for he asked for wisdom 
But what I think is provocative, especially after what Jackson said in prep for this, this sermon, this whole false godship, this, this sense of a false illusion of control and power, I think what's provocative is that the thing that Solomon asked for in Hebrew, the understanding mind or the wisdom in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for it is here. It's uh, lev shumea, which means a listening heart. Lev, meaning the heart, and, and shumea from shima, meaning to hear, to listen. Of all the things that he could have said, wisdom begins with a listening heart. Can I just ask you to consider your family for a minute? What if, what if everyone in your family committed every day to pray a prayer that's similar to this? Lord, I don't get them. I don't. I try. I love them. I want to. But there's this disconnect for a thousand reasons. But I pray not that you would change them or fix them or make them come around to my side of the thing. But rather, I pray that you would give me a listening heart so that it beats with empathy and understanding so that I can actually see maybe life through their perspective. What would happen in your family if that were the prayer? Because, see, that takes us from memes to kaleidoscopes. All right, guys, I've got a couple of quotes I want you to react to. All right, kaleidoscopes. So if understanding each other and kind of getting, getting each other starts with listening... But listening to each other, and here's the point, you can't listen to another person. You can't seek to have a listening heart for someone else until you learn something about how to listen to your own life. Until you learn to listen to your own life. So Parker Palmer put it this way. Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. What has your life been telling you about who you are? Can we just pause on that for a minute and let it kind of sit with us? A few days ago in Ethiopia, we were talking about a word, a Hebrew word. Um, uh, Selah? Uh, Selah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. at the end of some of the Psalms, there's like this Hebrew word, Selah, which means, whoa, pump the brakes, slow down, go back and read it again and listen deeply to what you just read. So I just want us to listen deeply to what I just read. Before I can tell my life, what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. Another person uh, said it differently. His name is Michael Quast. Michael Quast said, uh, if we learned how to listen to God, all of life would become a prayer. So my question to the two of you guys, if this is true, all right, if understanding each other begins with listening, and if listening begins not just with listening to the other, but listening to your own life speak, and if listening to your own life speak means that God is constantly doing things in your life, you're going through experiences, you're having moments, encounters, failures, successes, and your life is trying to say something to you, and God's trying to say something to you through your life, then my simple question for you is what has God been saying to you? about your life and who you are lately? Yeah. Um, to answer this question, I want, to, I want to talk about Ethiopia a little bit. And as many of, many of you know that I've been gone uh, in Ethiopia for about two weeks now, and Dad joined me about halfway through the second week. And um, just something that I wanted to share that I observed there was um, 
as many of you know, Ethiopia is, uh, poverty over there is just, it's unfathomable. You can't, you don't realize like how much, how much poverty there is. Uh, it's, it is a really, really big culture shock when you first step off that plane and it's, um, but I think one of the big takeaways that I, um, that came to me about halfway through the week there or halfway through the trip there is that, is that what these people lack in stuff and what these people lack in, you know, possessions, they make up for in, you know, the way they do life and the way that uh, they love each other. And, um, and I think that, I think that personally what uh, my life has been telling me up until that point, um, it's kind of hidden itself within me, but I think when I started to realize it there, I, um, I realized to myself, you know, I need to bring back to Georgia what, what I learned there, what the people of Ethiopia uh, can so easily do. Um, and that, that thing that they do is literally just to love. Mm. It's just to love each other. And it's, in the, it, it, it's kind of a hard concept to grasp. I mean, it's, it, it's perceived as, you know, just love, it's easy. But I mean, it really is difficult to actually just love someone for who they are. And um, I think that that is a big thing that I need, you know, that I, found out about myself that I need to, you know, kind of take back what these people are teaching me there. So, that's great. I mean, uh, you've, I think, you've, even, you've even said that and that's been kind of a phrase for you. You've got it written on things. Yeah. You've got like, my Instagram bio. Instagram bio. Yeah. It's like, just love. Just love. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, and I think that uh, that is secretly what, what God has been, you know, what God has been trying to show me. Um, when you say, what has your life been telling you? I think that uh, through my experiences and through you know, everyday things, that that is what God is actually trying to show me. Okay, that's good. So. All right, how about you? Well, um, <laughs> hard to go after that, but um, I think that at my age, it is very difficult to know what God is telling you to do in your life. And um, I don't think that ever stops happening because through your whole life, you're still learning and growing with him. And uh, so I, I can't really tell you what my life, what God is telling me I am and need to be doing right now. But recently, at least, um, I've felt a calling as... Uh, I feel as though God's calling me to uh, be a unique version of... So as Christians, we're supposed to be uh, the odd ones out. We're supposed to be unique and the ones who are uh, a symbol of all that's good in the world. And so when we... when So that, that's what I'm trying to embody in life right now. That's what I feel like God's trying to tell me to do is to be a positive light in my, in the people around me's life. Um, I'm a very emotional person. And so whenever, uh, uh, and so I surround myself with the same kind of people. Uh, but, and so it's very hard for emotional people. Jackson's got some friends here 
today, and he just called you out. He flat called you out as uh, emotional people. No, I just, I, it is very hard for an emotional person to stay happy all the time. Yes. And so uh, I think we need to be striving as Christians to do the things that are harder for us to do. And so I am trying to be a positive uh, point in my friends and family and peers' uh, lives. Okay. And I think that's what he's asking me to do right okay. now. All right. See, right here, right, just right there, that what, what you just told us, each of you, uh, you know, what's, what's God telling you lately? What's your life showing you lately? So you're like, you know, it really does all come down to love, and it's not simple. It's not superficial. It's not, it's not something as easy as it sounds. That's what I'm hearing from a moment ago. And Jackson, you just, you know, you, you just said, you know, I admit I don't know where this is going, but for now, I know that I'm called to, to stand out differently as a, as a source of light, and, and love, and, and I hear that. So this right here is an example of kaleidoscoping, right? Do you remember kaleidoscopes? I mean, these pictures, like the picture here on the screen. Remember that? Remember that guy? Oh, hours of endless fun. That was before we could double-click fun, right? And you'd look through one end, and you'd twist the other end, and you get something like this right here, and you just, it, with every, that looks more like an acid trip, of, <laughs> uh, but... You know, but, you know, it's more of a, you know, a click, you know. Uh, I've not had many acid trips, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but with every turn, in every turn of the kaleidoscope, there is a new view. With every, at the end, the, the light refracts. And the prism kind of changes. And there's new color and new light. A new perspective with every click, every turn. And this is the spiritual journey that we all are on. At every turn, the God who wired us, who hardwired us, the God who put us together, knit us together in our mother's wombs, understood that at every turn there would be a twisting of the kaleidoscope so that what you perceive God saying to you right now will be different next year, be different the following year. It's, it's supposed to, the kaleidoscope must click. It's different even now for you than it is currently right now for you, right? And what would happen, though, if we recognize that about each other? Husbands and wives, fathers and sons, daughters and sons, daughters, mothers, aunts, uncles. What if in our families we were to, to somehow truly stay aware they're just at a, they've got a different kaleidoscope. It's the same light. They've got a different kaleidoscope. It's the same light. And God is trying to show something to him, to him, to her, to her, to me, that may be unique to me. But what if we approached the difficult person in the family or the one with whom you're in conflict right now or the one that, who never seems to connect with you, what if you were to connect with them in a different way and recognize in your daily prayer, I hold, and this is honestly, this is how, this is how I pray for you guys. And I've told you this already. When I, when I pray for you guys, my tendency is I pray that he would change his mind and do what I told him to do. <laughs> you know, it's like Jackson's about to drive in a couple of weeks uh, you know, on his own. Nate, you know, Nathan's about That's to go amazing. out to college. We know this. He's about to move up to college. There are some things I want them to know. I'm like, just I want to download my, um, my template for doing life in them. But the truth is, that's my kaleidoscope of how God has come to me. And yours is yours. But could you, in a prayer, trust God enough to hold your loved one up into the light and say, God, 
I relinquish my control and I pray that you would help me see that they are seeing you in a way that you want them to see you. And relinquish, I relinquish any desire to make sure they see you and life and love through my eyes, but help them find their own eyes and help me understand it. See, that, that leads us not just to memes and kaleidoscopes, but that leads us to wet clay. All right? Uh, Jackson, you've got something for us. All right. So I have a verse from 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. Okay. So this extraordinary power, this treasure in clay jars, right? That inside each of you and inside me and inside every mortal on the planet is the immeasurable image of the divine. But we know that we're clay carrying this thing around. It's the Christ in you, the hope of glory. And sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes we wake up to it, right? But we're clay. But here's the thing. I'm thinking about your baptisms. Because you were about seven. Seven, eight, Laura, somewhere in there. Seven, eight years old, somewhere in there. And I baptized you. We stood in the water, and I held you under a long time. He tried. And there were bubbles. And, you know, and you came up out of the water because at seven-ish, you said, I love Jesus, and I know that Jesus loves me, and he is the Lord of my life, and that's it. I'm in. And, and I baptized you. Here's the deal. You're not the same clay today as you were then. But it's the same Christ. It's the same Christ. So my question for you is, if it is the same treasure in your clay jar, even though the clay has changed, what do you know now that you didn't know then? What do you know about this treasure, the Christ in you, now that you did not know then? Okay, yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to go back to, the, to talking about Ethiopia for a little bit. Because <laughs> uh, you, you just got back. I mean... I mean. You went to Ethiopia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> he missed you, really. He did. <laughs> did he? <laughs> yeah. Right, go no. ahead. Go okay, ahead. so um, I've got a I took a picture uh, in Ethiopia um, uh, over there that kind of describes what, what I think has uh, changed for me since then. Um, it's, yeah, this right here. So basically to give context, I was, we were at a water point um, and we had just gotten some paint to, to seal some of the pipes there so that, the, that it wouldn't leak. And um, when we had left, uh, we were going to get something and we came back and some of the kids had taken some of the paint and they had painted on their house. And uh, above you can see there's Amharic, uh, whatever whatever's below it but i think the top the top says jesus will never let you down and that you know that's simple enough and it's uh it's something that i think i and many of us already knew when we were seven and a half eight you know you know we were always singing you know jesus loves me this you know we were singing that and we we knew that 
Jesus wasn't going to let us down. He's, you know, he, he loves us. And he's, uh, but I think the second part, the second part to that, to that picture, um, underneath it, it says, love is my God. So at first glance, you look at it and you, you think, all oh, these Ethiopian kids, they just have poor uh, English and they're just bad at grammar and stuff. But but if you really stop to look at it, I mean, that's ex- that is 100% true. That is exactly what they what they were meaning. Love is my God. There is nothing more simple than that. And I think that that's what I've what I think I've learned uh, these past like 10 or so years. It's just that God is love. Love is my God, and it's just uh, and He He will love you unconditionally. So that's that's. Pretty much everyone. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Jay. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think when I was seven or whatever, eight, I don't know. Um, I I had this, as you said, preconceived notion of what God is, what Jesus is, and it's and it was, oh yeah, he's. I, I knew that he was he was God, and I knew he was he loved me and stuff. As you said, we all knew that at that age, whatever. Um, but. Uh, I've about doubled that age now, um, so, you know, I'm over the hill. Um, <laughs> no, um, but I, <laughs> just kidding, but I'm, uh, I know at least a little more than I did then, and um, I'm going to keep knowing a little more about it and uh, continuing to know God further in my life. Like I said earlier, it is as you get older and older, you, you never stop growing and in your faith. And um, one thing my dad has been telling us since we were really young is that whenever there's an issue or um, just bad thing happening in our life or we're struggling with something, to try to think of it as our um, 20-year-old self would or our 30-year-old self would or 40-year-old self would and so on. Like when I look back at whatever the worst thing that happened when I was five, like not having enough crayons in the box. Um, if I look back to that, I think, oh, that's not a big deal at all. But when I'm 20, 34, when I'm older, I'm not going to think that whatever the biggest issue at this age was, I'm not going to think that. I'm, I'm like, oh, that's, that's minuscule uh, compared to my issues now. And that'll never stop happening. And so you need to be able to walk with God through all of that and try to keep things under perspective uh, as you would if you were older. That's good. And that's sort of one thing that I've grown to learn since then. That's good. That's good. So there is a, uh, a clip from Men in Black, the original movie, where the character Q, is it Q? The Tommy Lee Jones? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. The Tommy Lee Jones character <laughs> is talking to the Will Smith character. The Will Smith character just realized, oh my gosh, the planet has aliens and they're disguised as humans. They're everywhere and he just now learns this. And so the Tommy Lee Jones character says to the Will Smith character, look, 1,500 years ago, we knew that the earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, we knew that the earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew we were alone on this planet. Then he said, imagine what you will know tomorrow. So I just hear you guys saying that from your perspective in the kaleidoscope right now, 
this is what you know now that you didn't know at seven when you took the plunge, <laughs> that it really is all about love. And, and you, that what you know now that you didn't know then is that this pursuit never stops. That you, that you are still pursuing and growing and loving and chasing after God and, and it's becoming bigger and bigger the older you, you get. And so imagine what your 16 or your 26 or your 66-year-old self, remember what your 78-year-old self will, will tell you, and you too. And not just about you and me, but what if we can remember that about the ones we love in our families? They're just at a point in the journey, not the final destination. How much grace we could give one another and space for grace to grow in that, in that journey. Frederick Buechner said, when the Christ in me sees the Christ in you, a space between us is holy ground. My encouragement to you, to myself, to my sons, is don't stop seeking to see the Christ in the people in your family. Because even if all you can see is clay, the treasure is buried deep. Let's pray. And God, we are so grateful to you for the opportunity to be in worship. We're so grateful to you for the opportunity to dance around in some truths that may actually transform. And during this time, as we prepare to commit our lives to you and move out into the world to serve you and love you and to love your people, we simply pray that you would, through your spirit, Shore up and strengthen our hearts and minds as we leave this place. Let us continue to think about the things we've considered here so that our lives may glorify you with every step that we take. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.